0: Oh, these guys must be living so free like fuck no <laughs> yeah you know <laughs> we ain't hermits and shit we don't see european women and talk in our weird little language about how we want to get her to stay in our land of wonder <laughs> that doesn't happen
1: <laughs> all right hello welcome to another edition of the crypto basic podcast Roundtable. We're going to be talking about something that is at least loosely related to crypto today. I know we we kind of got you last week with Elon Musk and the moon, and that had nothing to do with cryptocurrency. But today we have a special guest on the show. I'm also joined by Kareem. Hi. But our special guest is Jason, and I'm, I even though he just told me how to pronounce his last name, I'm going to fuck it up. <laughs> Kariakos. Kind of, sure. <laughs> kind of. All right, yeah. close enough. And Jason has been working with us for months now on editing the episodes so when they stopped sounding like shit and started sounding good, that was <laughs> pr- approximately when Jason started working with I'm us uh, Jason lives in Greece and Greece has had its troubles with economy. it's had some everyday life struggles. so we wanted we, what we realized was we in our private chats we kept talking about all the stuff that was going on over there with him and learning about it and we decided that would actually be some really cool content to bring to the listeners. So, here we are. It's going to be super free flowing, but it's really important that this does tie into crypto in one specific way. In the only all that Jason knows about crypto is what he's learned from editing our episodes. But the the economies that are having trouble are the ones that crypto is really a like a haven or a thought and especially if you're one of our U.S. listeners, you may not realize kind of what actually occurs outside the U.S. We, we do we have a lot of infighting about a lot of really minute kind of really close stuff. And it might be, you know, option A or option A1. And we kind of don't realize what we run into throughout the rest of the world. So that is what we're going to talk about today. And that is going to be pretty much the extent of my contribution being that intro there because Kareem is really the crypto basic expert on history and different (laughs) economies having different effects on the world. So uh, Kareem is going to probably be putting in more of the poignant commentary and I'm going to say funny stuff.
2: Well, Jason's going to be our resident expert on Greek uh, (laughs) culture and situations. So, Jason, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself a little bit and, you know, kind of get us started. Yeah.
0: Well, my name is Jason Kiriakos. I am 21 and I'm studying political science in the National University of Athens. Uh, I'm here to talk about... The situation in Greece, I thought it would be interesting for some of the listeners to get a better insight from someone who's actually born and raised here because there's a lot of things going around, you know, as in information going around. And there's a lot of misinformation, a lot of opinions about about stuff that people don't have a clear idea about. So, we thought it would be a good idea for me to sit down and talk a little bit about it. That's the most important thing because we – I know one
1: thing that people think about the United States – is everybody carries a gun around everywhere on their waist, and it's all crazy. And then you talk to us, and we're like, it's not like that. I mean, there's definitely a gun problem, but you don't walk around with a gun strapped your to the outside wearing cowboy boots and a cowboy hat. So there's there's 100% going to be some of that that even Kareem and I think that we haven't even gone over with you that will probably come out in this episode. And I think that's going to be the biggest value here for for our listeners to kind of, like, catch that.
2: Okay, so I want to jump in, actually. I have a question. Since you're leading off with that, Jason, you're saying that um, you feel that there's probably a lot of misinformation. What do you think are some of the major misconceptions that people have about what happened in Greece or what has been happening in Greece over the last decade?
0: Well probably the biggest problems when it comes to stereotypes is the things that you guys have already heard this classic this k- classic kind of rambling all over the internet especially all over Europe like okay starting off greeks are lazy greeks are like the balkans and greeks in general like don't know how to govern themselves and there's always infighting there's actually a term it's like it's it's become a term balkanism which basically means like when shit hits the fan within countries (laughs) that's balkanism and that's applied to greece ever since the crisis as well besides that misconceptions well i would say that most people don't realize what what greece had been before the crisis because most people saw and do see greece as like a really cool tourist destination uh we have a really rich history like you know birthplace of democracy yada 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 but people didn't really have an idea about how modern Greece has been these last 200 years of sovereignty. And after the crisis, when Greece started being on the news all the time, people have just basically tied the name to like failing economies, failing countries, failing this, failing that. So a country like Albania, our neighbor, has always had a really bad economy and people knew it, but Greece had been doing very, very well Uh, people had great jobs, unemployment was really low. And we were doing a lot of great stuff, a lot of great stuff, as in like culturally and economically as well. But nobody knew anything about it. But now they know stuff about Greece, and all they know is the bad stuff. So
2: what do you think, or, you know, from your perspective, what was the turning point in the Greek economy? Or what were some of the events that started changing the direction the country was taking or heading?
0: Well, that's a deep-rooted problem because from 19, from 1967 to 1974, we had kind of a dictatorship. It was kind of a mild dictatorship, but still, the political uh, spectrum was totally destroyed and then it had to be rebuilt, you know, who is in what party, who does what in Greek politics. So, the whole power structure of Greece really got reshaped after 1974. So, we became a bipartisan political system with two great parties like the US which was at the time PASOK and New Democracy the, those were the names so what they did was basically this classic game that you see happening in a lot of countries which is like one party is in power and the other party says like oh if we if we get elected uh we're going to give you this kind of grant and we'll give you a a 14th paycheck, and you'll be able to get loans to go on vacation. That was actually a thing. It was, oh, wow. Yeah, it was like, you could get like 3,000 euros, or like drachma at the time, the equivalent, to just go on vacation. No questions asked.
1: I would love it if we had the ability to take a loan to go on vacation. Well, <laughs> that would we- be the coolest thing ever. We don't love it yeah, now. Yeah, that's the, <laughs> We're paying for that's
2: it. What Americans, that's what Americans need right now, is more excuses to get into, into, more, <laughs> get debt. into
1: more debt. Yeah. <laughs> That actually makes sense. Like a massive amount of irresponsible debt accumulation sounds is what led to our financial crisis back in like two thousand eight. And taking a, as much as I just said, I would love to take a loan out to go on vacation. That's completely irresponsible. Yeah. So it makes perfect sense that that would be part of the part of the process that might have led to something bad happening.
2: So one of the things that I like to throw out here, and of course you being in Greece, you know what different narratives are within the country being told about the crisis. Mm-hmm. But one of the things that I had encountered was the idea that what really started shaking Greece's ability to handle the crisis is the fact that they don't have control over the Euro. So most countries, when they found themselves in a situation like Greece did, are able to print more money Yeah. And kind of control their inflation, right? Yeah,
0: that's partially true because, as I started saying, it like we had a huge share of the blame when it comes to what happened to us. But of course, it was the euro situation as well, because, for example, well, a single a single currency system kind of works the same way that federations do, right? So, the United States, for example, rich states like uh, New York you know, circulate money around through welfare that go to poorer states, maybe in the... I don't know. I don't know where your poor states are. I'm sorry.
2: Yeah, own country, basically, yeah. almost. You know,
0: but people do kind of complain, right. but not enough to, like, you know, declare secession from the United States or something. That would be absurd. But Europe, as much... Even as much as we want it to be, is not this integrated yet. We speak uh, maybe... 35 different languages in Europe, there are 35 different cultures, uh, different histories and conflicts and infighting. I mean, it's in in, uh, in Greek, Europe is actually called the old continent, there's a saying, because of how much shit it's endured, like wars and cultural struggles and shifts and whatnot. So, you know, a taxpayer from New York may be kind of okay with their money going into the welfare system, but a taxpayer from Germany... Isn't really okay with their tax money going to save the lazy Greeks? Oh, so so now it's come full circle
1: where they have this like weird prejudice that yeah. they're using as a political machination to stop any aid from going yeah, to that. Greece. Yeah. If the United States yeah. didn't have the option to put in quantitative easing because of some political machinations from Canada, that would have been, you know, yeah, that would have been awful for yeah. for us.
2: Yeah, and part of the problem is that it's a union that is only—it's uh, only really united in certain directions, right? So the example that you were just giving about, because you're right here in the United States, you know, for example, California, New York, Michigan, these are all states that are contributing to support things like Medicaid in the South, Alabama, Missouri, but it's all integrated and considered part of one country. Yeah, and that's the sentiment. In, Exactly. It, it It is one, quote unquote, united people, the yeah. United States of America. But when the Greek people fell in hard times, yeah. you don't really get that feeling from the rest of Europe, of yeah, course. Yeah, I mean, like,
0: even if you imagine it, if you picture certain places within the European Union, I mean, I'm sure there are some differences between a guy from Texas and a guy from, you know, like really northern up United States. But can you imagine like Malta? Malta is right next to Libya in the in the middle of the Mediterranean Sea. And Sweden is in Scandinavia. And these people are in the same union. So, how would you right. expect yeah. any kind of sentiment? How would you, how would you expect some guy from, from Sweden wanting to help someone from Malta? What if Malta's economy failing? I don't think these cultures have ever even met in history. Never even waged a war even against each other. So, there's zero connection. Because it's such a diverse cast of countries and cultures and history is that it just doesn't work.
2: And the other angle, honestly, there is that there's even more divisions because even if some of the... Like, let's say the German people or the French people or the Italian people, they might feel solidarity towards the Greek people, but the people who are actually making the decisions are bankers, are elite, are elected government officials, are people who are maybe representative of the Eurozone, and their interests aren't always aligned with the population. So even if you have positive sentiments from the populations of these countries like uh, Germany or Denmark. Those aren't the people making the decisions and it's really about it's like a political game well, yeah, where the wealth is being extracted by the German elite. The
0: people that they voted are the ones who do make the decisions. So it it kind of does reflect each culture because like for example the Netherlands elected Dijsselbloem, some guy, to be their finance minister and Dijsselbloem really hated Greece like really deeply. It's not like it happened to be him. It happened to be a guy who hates Greece. You know, they wouldn't have elected this kind of official if the sentiment in the general Germanic culture wasn't such, I believe.
2: Okay, but that's debatable coming... And I can say that as somebody who's currently being represented yes. by Donald Trump, <laughs> right? So, I am I understand the point that you're making, but since these elections often have other variables, other... Um, you know, the way that issues are being presented to their population. Yeah, but I was
0: I was about to say that, yeah. It's not their fault, you know, it's it's this constant exact. kind of propaganda because there's no consistent news outlets for like Europeans. There's no there's no European nation, there's no European sentiment. So each mainstream
2: We have to rely on Facebook for our news
0: <laughs> sources. So each mainstream media according to each country will cater to that country's needs and do the appropriate pandering. So polarization right. is a hundred times more easy to do within the within the European environment than in other places. So I'm not saying that people hate people, like Italians love Greeks and Greeks love Italians, but Italians, I mean, their government representatives still were hostile against the whole bailout situation with Greece.
1: So I actually have a little anecdote that I just had with my dad. Uh, my dad, my dad raised me very well, but he's got a uh, he's got a thought that. He, he lumps in so – I don't want to say my dad's racist because he's not. But he lumps in groups of people and he says that they take advantage of the welfare system, which is what led him – that's one of the main things that led him to be a lifelong conservative. Uh, and I walked him through it. Now, And, and a lot of people have that kind of, uh, that kind of idea. So I could see somebody in Scandinavia having that idea about Greece. And I walked him through it and I'm like, dad, how many – I was like, how many people of this race do you know? He's like, I don't know, a bunch. And I'm like, okay, just how, how many of them – do you believe fit the mold of a, a welfare recipient that's doing it specifically to cheat the system and get extra money because they're just having kids or whatever? And he's like, well, none. And I'm like, so why do you think that everyone else is like that except the people that you've organically met in your life? And, I think that and he couldn't come up with a good reason, but I actually opened up his eyes and he's like, Fuck, you're right. Like that's a, that <laughs> that kind of makes sense. Yeah. So I think that like being separated like that and not having a whole lot of cross border culture, maybe the people that are voting for this group that's saying Greeks are lazy don't have a lot of exactly contact with and if they did, they'd be like, Well, no, well the all the Greeks I know are cool. Yeah. <laughs> and and stuff like that. So there's it's that is a problem, yeah.
2: And just to clarify too, it's important to remember that those governments have a vested interest in portraying the situation as the Greeks being lazy because oftentimes that bailout was in order to pay bad loans for the very French and German banks yes, that made Exactly. It. So it's the German government giving money to the Greek government to bail out the German exactly. banks. You know what I'm saying? So it's pretty perverse incentives and that's why they're being presented a certain way. You know, like, oh yeah, the Greeks are lazy or... You know, same here in the United States. Yeah, it States works out. It works things. out
0: for them if the Greeks are actually lazy because they don't have a lot of explaining to do.
2: Right, 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 right. So, you know, one of the uh, one of the concepts we talked about a few weeks ago um, was the idea of brain drain, where in oh, one yeah. of these countries, I saw it a lot in Colombia when things are really bad, all of the young professionals and people with a lot of potential tend to leave the country. Can you tell us, because from what I've seen, this is rampant in Greece, oh, yeah. and what's the sentiment? And
0: it, bra- I know it's even the case with you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it is. Brain drain has become so common in the Greek way of thinking when it comes to young people. It's like a stage of life, you know? It's like, oh, it's like school, Uh, university, going abroad, and then coming back when you're old. That's like, ah, you know, normal life in Greece. That's how people think. (laughs) And that's how it is for me. Because there's no way someone who has dreams bigger than working in a coffee shop can actually make anything happen in Greece. And it's not because uh, we don't have the will to work. We have like, what, the second longest uh, week, a working week, I think, within the European Union. But it's not that. It's that things have gone so wrong that even if you want to stay and help rebuild, you can't really because you're suffocated by your own government. Because the taxing the taxing laws and the the way taxation works and the way bureaucracy works is really really backwards, really really backwards. So the backbone of a strong economy or a recovering economy even Should be people taking initiative. Should be entrepreneurship. Should be small businesses. Should be kids that wanna that wanna build an app for Android and make money off of that. Within Greece, you can't really do that because even if someone wants to start doing a little thing in his spare time, like for example, I don't know, like just something freelance, just anything freelance. Uh, we, won't, we won't get any, we won't put any specifics uh, out no, there.
1: No specifics. <laughs> we'll leave that one to the imagination. <laughs> yeah,
0: anything <laughs> freelance. Uh, there has to be uh, a whole process of formally opening up a business and paying like 450 euros every month or every like two months in order to legitimize your activity, which is a, a money making activity. So how do you start off when you know that your primary budget from your first from your first year of doing that or doing this entrepreneurship project will be like less than a hundred a month? You know, some people might want to start something out and, you know, the it might be that it won't start actually producing significant revenue until it's started having some momentum. But the thing is, it's suffocated before it even starts, because in order to start it, you have to have a lot of backing money. See, and that's that's why I'm not really that mad at all the Europeans who are saying that it's the Greeks' fault. Because in this sense, it is. You can't rebuild something when you want to start making money and producing things, and you can't.
1: That's so sad. if you start a side hustle, like that happens a lot here in the US where where somebody will start a side hustle that makes them 100 bucks a month. But they know if they keep that up for four years, that's going to be $4,000 a month. And they'll be relatively not too attached to it. Mm -hmm. But if you're having to do the exact same thing and pay $450 per month from Uh, day one, even if you're making four, I'm saying dollars, I should have been saying euros, but they're close to interchangeable. Uh, Once you get to the end of the rainbow there, where you are supposed to be making 4,000 euros a month. You're going to be still recuperating from the first two years that you've had to put out all that money. Yeah, that makes perfect sense why somebody wouldn't want to start yeah, of a side hustle, or start working hard, pull themselves up by their bootstraps, and get going. <laughs> yeah.
2: yeah, and but Jason, let me ask you something. Isn't on the other on the other token of that? Isn't also one of the main problems that Greece has experienced the fact that it has a really high rate of tax avoidance?
0: Yeah, it is. Well, the thing is that tax avoidance mostly comes from the tourist sector because that's where the big laundering happens and that's where the deals with the government is struck because we're talking about millions and millions and even billions of dollars maybe of oh, euros <laughs> <Shit>. uh, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> <laughs> each year so yeah there's a huge issue of tax avoidance and because of what i just said of the issue of not being able to start your own little side hustle. It's not the huge kind of tax avoidance that happens in the upper levels of the economy, in the huge enterprises, and in the deals under the table and all of that stuff. It's a culture of tax avoidance that starts from the top tiers of the economy and just reaches out to the 600 euros per month, regular city person, you know? So, it's a so deep, let me deep, ask you deep, this How, Do you
2: believe that a big portion of the Greek economy has basically been pushed underground? Are there a lot of people right now that are based, their only option has been to basically make their wages, even if they're making it from abroad, but everything's being kept under the table? Is that the current situation? Yep.
0: Most, Sounds- if not all of the people I know uh, have some kind of, well, not everything is illegal, but like people will even choose not to make so much money in order not to. Pass a certain threshold of taxation. Like people are selling their houses en masse. People are selling their cars because the new laws introduced from 2009 until today, the, you know, the infamous austerity laws state that, hmm, you know, having a second house or a second apartment is considered a luxury situation. So you're going to get charged this much every year. Having a third car, even if you're a family of eight you know having a third car is considered a luxury situation so you're going to be getting this many thousands uh, out of your pocket every year so it's not that people are do- are of course there's tax avoidance and of course there is deals under the table but i've seen cases of people that just choose not to evolve their lives and not not i mean materially i won't get another car i won't get another house i'll sell my old car i can't afford to be targeted by the government that judges me by this Paper that says that I have a third car, even if that that's car is a 1988 crazy. fucking whatever.
1: Right. So you can't, like, if you wanted to get like a truck to help your business or something like that, now oh, all of oof. a sudden you're, you have like this extra car that is costing you tons and tons of extra money to have, even yeah. though that's kind of a necessity. That's, that's, that's crazy. And people respond to incentives. So there's no surprise here that if you tell somebody, that if you own more things, you're getting taxed more. They're just going to avoid owning them or at least they're going to hide That's the fact the that mindset. they're
0: owning them. Like, it's the the complete counter incentive to You anything. want people buying houses. You want people buying cars. You want people buying cars. You want people having things. You want people investing in things, mm-hmm. in material goods or in businesses or in anything. But the Greek tax system basically scolds you for doing so.
2: So I know this is like an impossible question, but what do you and the people your age view as how are things going to play out in Greece? I mean like it, it just it sounds so hopeless, almost like it's going to slowly devolve it, all the young, talented people are leaving. Yeah. It doesn't really seem like there's a plausible solution. Um, my guess is it'll eventually be forced out of the eurozone, but then what? you know
0: Well, people my age are just kind of lost. In hope that's what you can do can't really do anything else you can't really have any certain plans you know no one says oh my plan is to get this degree and then get this master's degree and then i want to work in that sector because i love it that used to happen now it doesn't now people say i'm gonna get this degree and then i'm gonna go find a really practical degree and then i hope to god i'll find some job in greece because i don't want to leave my family behind or uh, I hope to God that this that people will hire me from abroad because this is just it doesn't work.
2: Can Greek citizens work anywhere else in Europe? Like is it easy for a Greek
0: yeah, person yeah, yeah. to get a job? yeah, that's that's yeah. a good thing yeah. it's all the, the whole European Union citizens are allowed to work anywhere with, under the same terms. I just
1: Union. found that out like three weeks ago and I have to get my Irish citizenship citizenship squared away. <laughs> because i i am I, I have the ability to be an irish citizen mm. and i just haven't done anything with it and i absolutely need to do it because if i want to go to europe and and uh you know go around and do and do any i can work anywhere there if i just get that
0: squared away yeah is gonna require a trip to ireland but that's it the the best situation in the world is to have a dual citizenship united states and european union that's the best thing that could happen to anyone
1: and I, here, I'm going to say this, like you, you said you're 21 years old, you're working with us, we've got this uh, across Europe, this thought that Greeks are lazy, I can tell you 100% not even close that lazy wouldn't even be in the top thousand words that I would use to describe you, and <laughs> and also, as listeners can tell, your English is perfect, so I would imagine <laughs> that your plan Please. is is probably to go abroad, because yep. you can do that, no questions asked. Like, your, your work ethic's great, your English is perfect, we're going to lose you, you eventually. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> no. Is your life plan right now kind of figure out what you're doing and then go abroad somewhere else?
0: Yeah, yeah. Basically, my life plan is to finish political science, which I'm finishing next year, hopefully, and then do the mandatory army, which is another little gem of Greek oh. culture. Yeah, nine months. Colombian too. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. shit. Anyway. Then do that, <laughs> then get hopefully get an MBA because I want to do business, and then maybe go abroad. But it's so, not anyway, uh, I just realized that I've been talking. It, it's been all doom and gloom. My words for the past <laughs> twenty minutes. I just wanted to, and I told myself before starting this episode that I wouldn't. I wouldn't go into a really. <laughs> huge greek hating rant. So, <laughs> I just Well, Jason, we're talking about
1: out. the pros and cons here of the of the the greek coin. <laughs> cool. Uh that was enough of the cons. Let's move on to the pros. Okay, pros. <laughs> well,
0: uh, uh, don't listen to me. Don't listen to me. It's not as bad as it seems. <laughs> it is bad, but it's not like people are dying, you know, because there's this other kind of the other side of the uh, the the European media that says like oh man, you should help Greece. You should send aid to Greece. You should protest about Greece. Greece is dying. People are starving on the streets. Like, no, <laughs> it's bad, but we're not dying, you know? <laughs> so for anyone uh, leaving this episode with like pity, don't because it's going to work out as it has before. It's just bad. So how has
2: a cryptocurrency, in your opinion, taken any hold in, in greece at all is this something that gets discussed much or not well, really sounds really? like
0: monero would be monero, sure. <laughs> monero are you saying that have did i say anything to you about that no no
1: oh. no i just uh, monero if you're trying to avoid taxes is the uh the primary coin that you're probably going to okay. hear about so That's i would imagine hilarious that one because catches.
0: one of my school friends actually runs a huge mining site for monero <laughs> it's yeah. like a trillion computers there yeah not surprising at all. And, oh God! Uh, <laughs> I'm just throwing I would, shade all over my country. Right now.
1: <laughs> I would definitely say if a crypto takes hold, there would be one of the more privacy-oriented yeah. coins, like Monero, like maybe yeah, uh, Zcash so. or something like mm-hmm.
0: that. And I actually went to there was one um, there was one kind of a seminar, like a day-long seminar about Bitcoin. And I went to it, and most of the talk and most of the questions from the from the audience actually were like, "So how does this get tracked? And how would taxation work in a mm-hmm. world where we work under Bitcoin? And how do I send this and then receive it? And then you know, it's just it was a lot of like, how do I do? Do I leave a digital fingerprint? Blah 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 blah." There was a lot of questions based around privacy. So you can kind of see that this is the sentiment. How, that how would Greeks lo- would approach crypto.
2: Yeah, that would make a lot of sense too with the idea that... like If you have enough people leaving Greece over the last decade and then this decade then in theory, you should have a lot of remittances also, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. it becomes a bigger and bigger issue for the economy. And I'm sure that if there's really, uh, let's say, counterproductive taxation laws, that would make a lot of sense, as Brent said, that you guys would be focused on the ones that are harder to track.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, as uh, like we know, Bitcoin is more or less fully trackable, traceable. Once you start to get the data points, you can figure out whose wallet belongs to who, which... Originally wasn't the necessarily the intent of Bitcoin because it was all supposed to be anonymous, but there's there's a lot of data out there for a pri- for a public ledger to to expose privacy. That's why like something like uh, and I know you didn't edit our Monero episode, but the the quick version of what Monero does versus Bitcoin, uh, Monero sends the transaction through like what we call the, in the episode a dance of a bunch of people on a dance floor and they all pass it around a million times. Not a million times, but a bunch of times, like say six, seven, to a random person before it gets spit out the other end where it needs to go. So it's, oh, that at that sense. point, it's you don't know where it came from. You don't know where it went to. You just know that there's a tr- there's a balance here and a balance there.
0: It sounds like a crypto VPN or some sort.
1: Yeah, yeah similar. So it, so it, exactly it is similar it is. to that. and There's other coins that do it. They do it a little bit of a different way, but Monero is clearly the... The either the most popular or the second most popular, depending on what you think about Zcash. Right. Um. So yeah, those are the that would not surprise me at all if you hear those names tossed around way more than Ethereum or have, yeah. Ripple or anything like that. Because you know we hear Bitcoin. Bitcoin's probably ubiquitous throughout the the world at this point. But if you're looking at anything other than Bitcoin, I think those are the ones that you're going to see, and that makes perfect sense to respond to incentives. A similar incentive that we had happen in the United States that we talked about was that the taxation on cryptocurrency transactions kind of got out of hand. And there's still not a whole lot of clarity, but now it looks like if you make a trade with your cryptocurrency from one coin to another, even though it's still cryptocurrency, you have to pay the taxes if you made any gains during that trade. So it's making people make – like towards the end of the year, they're having to make trades for no reason just to show a loss. Or at, the, or at the end of the year, they were holding their coins because they didn't want to sell them in December when they were way up because they would have to pay taxes on that. And then the next year, everything crashed and people started selling them. So it, there's definitely some interesting thoughts. And if the IRS is making the taxes impossible for people to overcome, it's going to force people who would have normally paid taxes to avoid them. And that's the problem.
2: Anytime that you have the opportunity to gamify taxes, it's probably a net loss for most people because most people aren't going to know how to game them. And the people that do have the resources to pay somebody to game the taxes get to basically get around them, you know? So a lot of times it's just about like the incentive structure, you know? I remember. Jason, you mentioned like people going out of their way to not buy a car, for example. Yeah. I remember uh, my sister's roommate when she was in college was getting some kind of assistance and she was offered a raise at work that would have been like 60 cents an hour or like a dollar an hour, but it put her under the threat, like over the threshold for assistance. So she would have lost a lot more than that. So she didn't take it. And everybody was kind of shitting on her, like, wow, what is Lee's bag taking advantage of the system? And it's more like, like to me it's more like well it sounds like it's structured in a pretty shitty way if one little threshold is like it should be structured in such a way that if somebody that you can stimulate economic activity and it only slightly uh hurts you you know so like in the example you said of having a third card that's it if you have a third card you're gonna have an extra taxable event just arbitrarily and strong like that then you're just yeah that is that is a uh, thing. you know incentivizing people the wrong way I guess yeah that, ran... this
0: kind of this kind of gamification really does happen especially in like small businesses which are the ones having the hardest time like the I don't know if it's the same way in the United States but delivery like you know food delivery is a huge thing in Greece like you can get anything from like a, a euro's worth of coffee to a whole meal it's crazy so what people do is they they hire people to do their delivery but they'll make them i mean the the prerequisite will be for them to have their own motorcycle so that they don't have to basically tell the government that they're using another vehicle in their business, which would drastically raise their threshold. So, this is just an example of, of things that are happening in every sector. Like other cases may be that you have a friend who has a private company and you have your own side hustle, but you don't want to start your own company. So, you start... Uh, declaring your gains, your 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 gains, your fiscal gains as their expenses, right? So that it all gets taxed under one company, quote umbrella. unquote. Yeah. So anyway, these are some examples of the thing that is happening all over in every sector in every way, and it's just as you said, cream. Like since it's a game, people will know how to exploit it, and it doesn't really work well for people who don't have a couple of accountants laying around.
1: Yeah, the people yeah, who are exactly. just gonna go through life without studying and learning how to beat the game are the ones that get hurt the most. And they may be the ones that are the most important because they're the ones that aren't going to leave ever. They're the ones that are more likely to have a minivan, you know, whatever. So since we, since we spent a lot of time on these bad things where we gamify or cheat the system, that kind of thing. Is there any way that Greece is getting it right? Is there anything they're doing where you're like, we need more of that. We need to see this happening. This is actually helping stimulate the economy. I'll give you an example from the United States from our recent recession where we did, like, a Cash for Clunkers program where anybody could bring in their piece of shit car and get a bunch of money for it. Uh, and it was from the government. The government would give you the money to trade in your shitty car, which had bad emissions and was breaking down all the time so it was making it harder for you to work, getting you fired from your job and stuff. And they would give you I, – I, do you remember how much it was, Cream? Like three grand or something? It was, it, it was a decent amount of money to where you could – trade you could use that on a newer car that would be like way more serviceable than your other vehicle so they did that right um you know they they did uh, they did this credit for buying a home you got a huge tax credit if you're a first- time home buyer because they were trying to stimulate. The real estate market so um they seem to work they seem to have helped fix the economy so it looked like they were kind of doing the right thing at the time but then they did weird shit like qu- quantitative easing bailing out the banks that we disagree with but also they kind of had to do and uh because of the way that they set things up like if they didn't bail out the banks and we'd have a serious problem so was there anything like that that
2: they could have gone the iceland route and bail out the people who had the yeah yeah that's that, yeah. <laughs> that, yeah.
0: that would have been nice uh, it didn't happen, though, because there was too much pressure. So we could have actually, I, I believe that if we had declared bankruptcy, things would have worked out better. Because now we have we have deals struck with uh, the people holding our debt that stretch out to 2099. So wow. Greece is, yeah, its it, it sucks. But yeah, well, <laughs> when it comes to the right things, well, we just, like, I think it was last month that we got out of the last bailout program you know the final um uh, the final austerity measures so things are kind of and like i don't even i can't really say this with ease like there things are kind of looking up because what actually what needed to happen in greece was to break that whole political and bureaucratic structure that I talked about before that had been created after the dictatorship. Mm-hmm. So the European Union and the International Monetary Fund and the World Trade Organization is coming in and basically forcing us to restructure a whole lot of things. Uh, I don't see the effects of it now, but there were some significant changes. Like the, the public sector in Greece was huge. Like a lot of people were working uh, for the government. And that was really unproductive, uh, counterproductive. So this kind of really deep changes have been made, but I can't really directly answer your question because I don't know how they're going to play out in the future, but I know that they have been made and I'm hopeful that they're kind of going to put us in a a right productive road. So... I do have one question
2: because, you know, you, one of the things you mentioned was that there's a part of you that isn't as mad that the Greek people are being blamed because in a lot of ways you feel like yeah, they are yeah. at fault and I get that. But like one of the things you just said is you guys probably would have been better off if you were allowed to declare bankruptcy and the people who really should have suffered for that would have been the people who made a loan to an entity, in this case Greece, that couldn't pay it. And you guys had a referendum specifically where the population said, yes, let's go bankrupt and you guys were essentially not allowed to almost by force.
0: So doesn't that... The referendum was... Ah, man. I hate the referendum so Uh, hard. I have no idea. Because this... (laughs) It was... was Kareem, I'm sure you're familiar with this. It was just a political ploy like from start to finish
2: on the part of everybody basically yeah. at, at this point we know now cerisa and
0: everything yeah like cerisa was like okay we're going to have to sign another uh, memorandum the greek people are literally going to burn us at the stake and just throw down the parliament so what are we going to do we're going to we're going to appeal to the public sentiment to the european hating sentiment to the greek population that believes that it's all the, the, the Europeans' fault and they want to exploit us and blah, blah, blah. So Syriza came out with big speeches saying, let's fight the fucking post-colonial, you know, this, just just rambling, rambling, rambling in order to get that no. Because that, the, the no was backed by the government. They wanted this to happen. So before the referendum, the government actually went out and told people, vote no. So we did. And no, did come out, but in the end, they still signed it. They
2: had signed the agreement anyway, right? Yeah. So, okay, but doesn't that say that the Greek people were, like, they at least tried to, to have the government go in a different direction? And I don't know, it just seems a little bit like, I, I. it's always hard for me to blame the population, of course, but it seems like the people who were in control acted specifically against what the population wanted. Yeah,
1: well... Here's Greece. I don't know. <laughs> That's not just Greece. <laughs> right. That's not Greece at all, man. That is that, that is, is the world, world right that now. we're dealing with it right now. That's why we believe so much in decentralization, because very often the incentives are not aligned. And I'm not familiar with the the economies of scale that are going on here, but my imagine my imagination has led me to believe that the people in power got what they wanted, and they have structured everything so that they got the best deal. And that it didn't necessarily work out the best for the for the yeah, people. That's,
0: that, that's what I wanted to clarify. Like, cream, that, what you said was that, you know, they, they, they acted against the will of the people. But that's not how it was presented. Because, you know, there was option A, which was 100% hellish. And option B, that was 80% hellish, right? The right. government knew that it could, if it pushed, that it could get option B. But at the same time, they wanted to get a bang for their buck and uh, m- and strengthen their political power. So what they did was like, okay, if you say yeah, we're gonna we're gonna get a hundred percent of the the pain and suffering, and if you say no, we're gonna get eighty hmm. percent. So right, the no came out first, and we got eighty percent. But they knew from the start that it was gonna be either eighty or hundred percent, which are both. Very, very bad choices. So what they did was basically, you know, choose the the slightly less painful route of memorandum, and then mask that right. as a political victory. That's what happened. Hmm.
2: One more question I have for you, since you're here. Obviously, one of the most famous uh, representatives or speakers from your country is Yanis Varoufakis. Uh, <laughs> what is the uh, okay. what is the general perception in Greece about him and his general approach? Or
0: oh man. Uh, he is the one Greek politician that even though I don't agree with a lot of the things that he says, I respect, you know, because he's... You believe him, he's at least pointing his position. Basically. Yeah, I mean, it's he's like true the to the himself because here. he wasn't in politics before Syriza and before this whole movement with Syriza in 2015. So he hadn't... He, did, he didn't have that political kind of demeanor. He didn't have the political way of speaking. He was really... uh He was really direct in what he wanted. Well, the fact that his party crashed and everything went to hell, uh, that's what made him retire from politics. Because most of the people who were along for the ride in 2015, his ex-colleagues, still stayed on. But one thing that I can respect him for is that he actually left after six months. He saw that things aren't going the way the party originally thought that they would, and he left. But other than that, yeah, the, the, the general opinion about him... Some people hate him. Some people call him like a traitor to the party. Some people call him hmm. smart, and that he should have been uh, like prime minister. The, some people, right, right, it's, right? I can't really like give an opinion on that. But my it, opinion, it's pretty polarizing. I don't love him, I but guess. I respect it. That's the the gist of it. I think that's important. When you have somebody that
1: that you disagree with politically, it representing you or representing a part of your population, you need to at least respect that they're getting their opinions or they're they're forming their opinions. From a place of non-corruption, so you know there there's a politician that I often didn't agree with what he did here, uh, who just died. His name is John McCain, and I I at least had the respect that he believed he was forming his opinions from uh, from a place of less corruption than his counterparts. Uh, That doesn't mean that he was forming them free of corruption, but uh, but at least I felt like he was. You know, at times he would he would definitely. Do exactly the opposite of what his party wanted him to do, so that you know that that felt like a uh, yeah. I think that's yeah. important. Mm-hmm.
2: But there's definitely you could tell there's a difference here. Like at least here in the United States, you have guys like Bernie on the left or Rand Paul on the right who are perceived as at least actually believing the things that they preach, and then you just have these slimy, empty bags of people like Nancy Pelosi or Chuck Schumer or uh, what's this guy right now McConnell who are just like you know that. They don't care about any of it. It's all just power and money, and they would say whatever at any time without. Paul Ryan's a pretty good example of that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Paul Paul Ryan's our speaker of
1: the House, which is a reasonably important position. Before the election of Donald Trump, he came out and said he was against him. And then, as soon as it looked like he was going to start to win, he started basically just like licking his balls and doing everything he wanted him to do. No, yeah, that's everybody. That's all the Republican
2: politicians. But anyway, I don't know if you know this, Jason, but the United States is very polarized right now as well.
1: It's not just Europe. (laughs) I know. Uh, Everybody's certainly polarized. What I will say about this, this whole thing that is kind of, and I don't know the politics well enough, but just coming to conclusions here based on what I've said. Uh, this appears to be the first time since the European Union is formed that a, a large country faced a debt crisis. Is that accurate?
0: Yeah. Well, this big of crisis, yeah. Yeah.
1: Is. So, and 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 there was ways of we see what happened. We see what was good about what happened. We see what was bad about what happened. But I think with, this is just spitballing that it's likely that the union itself will notice that the reason. That Greece was treated in such a way is exactly what you said, that somebody in in Germany doesn't give a shit about somebody in Greece. Mm-hmm. And if they're going to actually be a union that needs to change, they need to be European Union citizens or humans as opposed to uh, Greeks and Spaniards or whatever the case may be.
2: But it doesn't need to change sentimentally because California and New York isn't taking care of Missouri and Alabama because they view each other as Americans. They're doing it because it's part of the Federation. It just has to be structured that way. It has to be in the rule books, the law. It has to be united central banks. But at
1: one point, the entire United States was united and made those laws in such a way that California couldn't refuse aid, for instance. So if the European Union hasn't done that, I think what actually needs to occur is they need to get past the, the prejudice of... Of another country in order to put those laws into effect and say, "Look, we're okay picking up our neighbor's slack here because we're all tied to the same monetary currency." And if we screw up, like I wonder what would have happened to the euro if bankruptcy was allowed? That would have been a really interesting
0: case study. I I don't imagine it would have worked out that great for everybody involved. But I think about this a lot, but it's it's really a it's a really hard question to it's, it's a really hard issue to address because. The solution to this kind of fiscal and monetary disarray that the Eurozone faces each time there's a slight crisis. Well, that's because of what you said, because of what we said, that Germans don't care enough for Greeks or Swedes don't care enough for Cypriots and yada, yada, yada. But the other way would be to enforce new rules, to make it an ever closer union and to say that, well, As in the case of California, you're not allowed to not aid Greece or you're not allowed to pay your share into the common EU budget. But that would lead, that would lead the nations of Europe down a road of nationalism, of totalitarianism, because even with this small, I mean, relatively small to what could have happened and what has happened in Europe, world wars, blah, blah, blah greece the the greek debt crisis was not a huge european crisis you know but people still got hella hella god damn it <laughs> <laughs>
1: that's all right man
0: i can Hev- swear heavily polarized yeah um, i mean we had brexit yeah.
1: like that's got i don't know if that was part of the catalyst or if it's even going to come to fruition now that we're like learning there wasn't really a plan we didn't
0: really I think we were gonna vote did for this paper on that i don't want to go down that road shit <laughs> Yeah. Anyway, there's a lot of problems. But you know, one option is to let the union be a bit more loose. So there's no hard tensions. And the other options is to force the union to be uh, closer to a federation. But then people are going to start feeling a lot more Greek than they did. And a lot more Polish than they did before. And a lot more this than they did before. Because when you have a union, and you have other people sharing the same responsibilities with you, it's much easier to create scapegoats. And the scapegoats when your country is failing is the other countries within the same union. So, Mm -hmm. the scapegoat for Greece was the, the quote-unquote, bloody fucking Germans that want to drive us to the ground. And the scapegoat for Austrian people were the bloody fucking refugees that, you know, blah, blah, blah. And it goes like this. It's a vicious cycle. So, I don't really know what I... In an ideal world, because I am really... I am a, like, strong pro-Europeanist. I feel more European than Greek. I would love to see a really close Europe, but I don't know if I would want to enforce it right now because it would go really badly, I believe.
1: Yeah, it's a it's a long process. Would you say that generally, I mean, I know we all live in our own little bubbles, but
0: would you say that generally that those your age will agree with you? Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, not all, but as time goes by, as people grow up in 21st century Europe, the teens of today and the, the the people in their 20s, they're more and more used to European influence. So they won't feel so threatened by anything happening on the European level. And there's a lot of things that go into this. The, the, what we said before, you can work in Europe very easily. You can study in Europe very easily. You meet a lot of people. You know, my parents or my grandparents didn't have any foreign friends. They didn't really go to other places because this and that. But now me and my friends, we have a lot of friends from Spain, from Germany, from France, blah, blah, blah. So it's becoming easier to... And I think we we, we said this before that, you know, if you don't know, if you haven't seen someone, the, the thing with your dad, you know, mm-hmm. like if you actually see something and if you actually experience something firsthand, then the stereotypes just kind of break. So the more young people are mobile within European grounds and the more we meet each other the easier it gets to be integrated because, you know, it's easy to talk about common history and culture and blah, blah, blah. But I still grew up in Athens and fucking Hans still grew up in Oslo and we haven't even seen each other, heard each other's language. So how can we have a common currency, a common government, common this, common that? The world is
1: getting more is getting more connected, closer together. We have listeners on this podcast from over 150 countries. Like woo, we're you, we're having this conversation. Kareem and I are sitting in two separate places in the United States, and you're sitting halfway across the world having a conversation with us live right here, like this. We couldn't have done this 20 years ago, even. So as our as people start to feel more connected throughout the world, I think that things like this will start to be a little more part of the past,
0: like our... Yeah, and that's what I'm hopeful for.
2: Jason, I would even say it's really interesting because um, even we're not European, and a lot of the exchanges that we've had with you have shown that Brent and I and Mike, we share a similar culture with you, which, of course, has yours has a unique greek and european shade so there's going to be certain cultural nuances but in a lot of ways it's a much more connected way where most of our references and most of our jokes you get most of your references most of your jokes we're sharing uh you know obviously your english is perfect so we're sharing a language (laughs) we share like it just um it makes a lot of sense what you're saying where these younger generations are so interconnected Yeah,
0: this is where my sense of europeanness comes from it's like the structure of the west and not necessarily right. the European West or the American West, but just common heritage.
2: Yeah, the descendants of the Greeks. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's what I, I, I that's see. What I, I say see what you are
2: trying to get at. You are like I consider myself more European because Greeks started your being culture, bitches. That's
1: why <laughs> <laughs> you guys are Greek.
0: <laughs> you got me.
1: All right, so we're coming up on an hour, but just pick one thing. Like I mentioned, the the gun toting thing in in the U.S. What's one thing that like Either would surprise everybody to learn about Greece or would
0: surprise everybody to unlearn. Like, oh, really? That isn't a thing? Uh, okay. So if anyone in the audience has watched My Big Fat Greek Wedding or Mama Mia or all that kind of bullshit, <laughs> just <laughs> please know. This is the farthest, documentaries. the farthest away from the truth that any piece of media has ever been in the history of media. It's insane nice it's enraging
2: (laughs) wait my big fat greek wedding wasn't a documentary about greek weddings
0: (laughs) fortunately it wasn't
1: (laughs) what is the what is the worst part of the stereotype that those movies got
0: well it's just this oh my god it's just this classic uh this classic stereotype of the the southern european like greek kind of lover like people with their shirts unbuttoned and their hair flowing like oh these guys must be living so free like fuck no (laughs) <laughs> yeah you know we're in hermits and shit we don't see european women and talk in our weird little language about how we want to get her to stay in our land of wonder <laughs> that doesn't happen
2: by the way it's like a, it's like a conglomerate of every stereotype of the italian french and greek like lover millionaire yeah, yeah, older it's just guy southern, yeah,
0: yeah. like they didn't they didn't even try to misrepresent greece they misrepresented the entire European South and just named it Greece. It's nuts. <laughs> That's all.
1: <awesome. laughs> that that is exactly oh, what I was looking for. Thank you, <laughs> thank you. That is a, that we got like I think we got something to put on the front of the episode in that rant and everything. That was good. Perfect. <laughs> all right. Well, that is. It's been an awesome episode again, loosely related to cryptocurrency. Everybody, I know, like we've gotten some bad feedback on being completely non-crypto. I think that the economy of scale that happened there is actually super we, relevant. We've
2: gotten one and a half feedback on that, by the way, and the other half of the feedback was literally about you talking about negative feedback. They were giving feedback on you saying that we get negative feedback. It wasn't even. It's possible real there was a little feedback. bit. of... I, I don't know.
1: Anyway, <laughs> I, look, we I. If I see negative feedback, I think it's important to to, to get it. And one of the person, one of the guys said, "Look, if you put that, it's not about crypto. That's kind of cool." But yeah, we put out 140 episodes. Three of them have been like completely non crypto related, and I, I'm okay with that. But I just wanted to, in case anybody got this far in the episode and they were like, "Man, I wanted more crypto talk." Like we, we talked about Monero, we talked about Zcash, we talked about Bitcoin, but the oh overarching- I forgot
0: and I forgot to mention there are uh, Bitcoin ATMs popping up in random places in Athens. It's crazy. Wow.
1: Boom! Yeah. Crypto podcast. Adam, <laughs> mass adoption. Uh, be careful <laughs> on those ATMs. Though, right? If the ones here have like twenty percent fees or something, absolutely yeah, ridiculous. Uses them. Yeah, they're. I can. He didn't want to say that part, but you yeah. forced yeah. it out of yeah,
0: You forced it out <laughs> of I wanted my country to look modern. Yay! <laughs> but The members of the Crypto Basic Podcast are not financial advisors. Please invest <laughs> in Greece. Please.
1: <laughs> Please invest
2: in Greece. <laughs> We will have links
1: to Greek bonds, the ch- the cheapest and <laughs> hottest
2: three-year term, five year term,
1: invert yield. Triple <laughs> A <AAA> rated triple <laughs> A rated Greek bonds. Triple A Triple A rated. Greek I swear Greek in my honor, we'll bar. pay you back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, all right. Well, that was fantastic, Jason. Thank you so
0: much. Thank you for having me. You
1: have anywhere we could like follow you on uh social media or anything like that that you want to drop on everybody?
0: Uh Oh man. Alright. <laughs> Just leave it on the show notes.
1: <laughs> Check the show notes. <laughs>
0: so, <Sorry>. Yeah. <laughs> He's
1: also in the Discord
0: if you wanna if
1: you wanna yeah, ask him I any keep, questions.
0: I, I do upload music, but I keep switching platforms every six months, so I don't really I don't really know what to link to. That's why this question is making me feel like, oh what am I gonna say? <laughs> <laughs>
2: You should just make sure that every time you start a new profile in a different site, you put a link to the previous site. So finding you is like a little scavenger hunt. Where they go through all your
0: the Jason profiles. just the alternative reality game. The
2: music yes. history, yeah.
0: <laughs> the, the yeah. The ARG, the <laughs> ARG.
2: We actually didn't mention on the show. Like Jason composes really good stuff. He made the music for our future episode. Yeah, I know he does some stuff for video games as well. His stuff is actually really cool. So check the show notes. Thank if you're you. You're into music.
1: All right, and. I'll other than that join our discord like and subscribe us all over the place give us ratings we love all that stuff we are definitely not financial advisors and make sure you do your own research all investments have inherent risk except greek bond investments those are riskless (laughs) great hey kareem tell your lawyer (laughs) we're not interested (laughs) (laughs) yeah